Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Today on Conversations with Coco and Friends, it's all about dating. Yes, we talked to TikTok famous Chantelle Hyde, aka Canada's dating coach. We get some really good insights on dating. Why she has a no kissing rule for three months. We talk about narcissists, trust, and so much more. You're going to love this one. Stay tuned. Okay, so we've done a lovely intro for you, but for anybody who doesn't know, what is Canada's Dating Coach? Who is Canada's Dating Coach? Tell us all about you. Right. Okay, so I am so common. Like, let's just start with that. I am I am not unusual in any way, shape, or form, except that my mind is incredibly curious about humanity. I often ask why and then have to search the answer. Um, because I just need to know the answers to all the questions that start with the why, especially when it comes to sociology, psychology, anthropology, biology, behavioral psychology, uh, behaviorism, evolutionary psychology, and spirituality, because meditation is a science since it actually alters your brain structure. And I'm a natural at this. I've been giving advice for over 20 years. I'm 50 years old now. And people have been coming to me since my 20s and, and you know, within 10 minutes, they're like, oh, I feel so calm. Like, I never thought about it that way. And I've been hearing this for a really long time. I never thought about it that way. You're so calming. I feel so much better. And so in 2015, because I used to be a stripper, and then there came a point where, I mean, no wonder I'm so good with men, right? No wonder I speak man. I've been surrounded by them for so long. So come 2015, I was like, you know, I'm getting tired of the high heels and the late nights. So what am I going to do now? And I asked myself, what am I already doing that I would love to do for money? And it was just a natural evolution to go into, I was going to go into therapy. So to become a therapist, a registered therapist, something like that, it was a natural evolution because it already was what I was doing. And so I was in university getting all, you know, the documentation, right? Getting those degrees so that I could become a therapist. And I was talking to my first husband's next wife, who is a child psychologist. And she was finishing up her PhD when he started dating her. 
She became a child psychologist shortly after, and we were having conversations because I was heading in that direction. And I found out through her that the training you get as a therapist is you're not supposed to share your story and you're not supposed to give instructions and tell them what to do because I'm quoting here, it's more powerful when they figure it out on their own. And I went, whoa, that's against me because I want to share my story and let women know I get you because I've been there, I've done that and I had to change it too. But I also want to tell them what to do because I'm bossy pants like that. So if you're coming to me saying I need help and, and I don't know what to do, I'm like, first of all, let's, let's help you understand why this problem is happening. Because when you understand why it's happening, your brain relaxes. When your brain relaxes, you're now open to solutions. Then I give you the tools. You need to meditate to calm your emotions. You need to choose silence to think about what you're going to say first. You need to use balancing techniques or no kissing or no kissing for three months dating world, whether it's a relationship or it's dating that we're talking about. So I came into this by simply monetizing what I was already doing. And I instead of getting a piece of paper to put on my wall, which I have one now anyways, I have a, an award in life coaching. And so instead of that degree that says, hey, I'm qualified, I said, let me put my information in the books and let people decide if I was qualified. So now I have 10 books and two work, well, three workbooks. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Such an incredible story. And I, I was like, snaps to, to you for having this natural talent and deducing that going the traditional way just wasn't right for you. And to see your success as a result. It's amazing. So we want to talk a lot about trust today. Such an interesting topic. And we're going to start out with how can you define what trust means to you? And when do you recommend communicating your version of trust to a partner? So let's start with the second one. When do you communicate your version of trust to a partner before they're your partner? You need to use a no kissing for three months dating role. You need to not occupy their mouths. You need to get that communication happening before you start a relationship. We have a tendency in today's dating culture to kiss just to see where it goes. I'm going to kiss and have sex to you just to find out you're a piece of shit. I don't think so. I'm going to get the data before we kiss and have sex. So in those three months, I'm going to let you know what is going to maintain my trust in you. So when you say no kissing for three months, I mean, I've watched your TikToks before, um, but just for our audience, you literally mean no kissing for three months. No kissing on the lips. So no kissing, no sex, no sleepovers. Now, I don't say no affection. And a lot of people misread no kissing as no touching at all. That's not true. I'm saying no sexuality until I pick you for a long-term partner. If I want to hook up, I'll go get my hookup. I don't have a problem with that. If I want to commit a long-term partner, my criteria is longer than a hookup list. The hookup list is two things. Do I find you hot enough to fuck? Do I trust you enough to take you home? That's it. But when I want to commit a long-term relationship, consistency, devotion, wants to commit to me, shares my goals and timelines, is thoughtful and kind, is generous. The list goes on, you know, makes me laugh. Like, we need financial responsibility. We need work ethic. And so I'm using a no kissing for three months dating role because I don't want to get sexual until I pick you. When I pick you, you get the cherry on the Sunday. But in the meantime, if you can't build the Sunday, fuck you. You don't get the dessert. So, so I mean, practically, because again, on our podcast, we love to give practical advice. So Pilar and I are both single. Katrina is in, she has a fiance. 
And um, we talk about dating and this stuff all the time. So how do you deal with a no kissing for three months rule in practical application? Because the reality is if you're dating someone, you're going out and they try to kiss you and you curve them or whatever, how do you deal with it? So you need to communicate using a no kissing for three months dating rule before they move in for a kiss. It's not fair to not communicate. Some people say, well, you know, should I, should I, should I keep it as a secret? What if they just fake it? Listen, it, it takes an extraordinary um, uh, psychotic person to fake it for three months for one thing. And, and you wouldn't have fooled them anyways. They, they would have fooled you the whole time, whether you were kissing or not kissing, if they were that psychotic. So you need to communicate that. It's not fair to not communicate. It's not fair to keep it a secret. You need to tell them who you are. And that includes your goals and plans. My goal is a committed long-term relationship. My plan to achieve that is making sure I don't commit to a stranger, but in fact, knowing who someone is before I choose them for a relationship. If they move in for a kiss after you've communicated that, write them off. That is disrespect. I told you what my boundaries were and you didn't care. You said, I don't care what your goals are. I don't care what your comfort zones are. I want what I want when I want it. And so you are indifferent to me and who I am as a human being. You have to go block and delete. They don't get me. Um, if you haven't communicated yet and they move in for a kiss, don't let them kiss you. We have agency over our own body. I can move out of the way. I can put a hand up. I can say, wait a second, what are you doing? I'm not ready for that yet. And then let them know I'm using a no kissing for three months dating rule. But I need to communicate this before they move in for a kiss. In today's day and age where everything's so fast um, and a lot of people are on like dating sites and stuff like that. Do you even suggest going as far as communicating that on your profile or? I wouldn't because you need to have a conversation about this. And our dating culture is kiss for a second, third, fourth date. You will get written off by somebody who doesn't understand this concept. This concept is knowledge and insight. The concept they're using is luck and intuition. You want to be able to have an intelligent conversation before they write you off because this is new. And it's not new, new. It's it's just new. And I say it's not new, new because people are talking about it now on TikTok more and more. So it's starting to get out. The pickup artists are starting to learn about this. They're like, oh, I'm just going to wait three months. No, you won't, motherfucker, because you have to also meet the 12 character traits. You cannot just wait the three months. You have to meet the 12 character traits that help me understand if you're a healthy partner for me to choose. It's funny that you're saying all this because I'm like putting it back at, like you said, onto a personal story. My husband that I was together with for, we're we're divorced now, but we're together for 14 years. It just so happened that we didn't kiss or anything for, it was nine dates, I remember. And that was over, I guess, like three months, right? Because we didn't go out every week or, and we really got to know each other. It's really strange. It wasn't on purpose because he had a full girlfriend that I didn't know about. But but then we when we're talking about, my relationship that I'm in now, we'd known each other for over 10 years, like as really good friends. And and it's interesting that we knew each other so well before we even got into a relationship. And that's why I think it works now. Cause like in the beginning, it didn't actually work so great because we, because being such good friends, we knew how to push each other's buttons, but also it, we have sustainability because we know each other so well. So that's just such an interesting, I love that. And I want to know about these 12, these 12 characteristics the 12 character traits. So the 12 character traits are chapter 37. 
So these are the traits that help you understand if somebody is a selfish short-term thinker or a generous long-term thinker. A selfish short-term thinker is not life with you. Um, it could be it could be character flaws, or it could just be that they're just not in that right mindset. They're not ready to do it. And, and look, somebody can be amazing. They can be so super sweet, so good, so generous, so kind, but they still miss some of the twelve character traits, which means it's it's still going to be a struggle to have a easy relationship that you can build with somebody. Because let's say they're everything, but they're missing financial responsibility. How are you going to build equity together? How are you going to have enough money to do the things you want to do together? How are you going to buy a house together if their money is easy come, easy go, and you're the only one who's saving? So you do need to have all 12 in place because if there's one that's missing, and I'll read them to you, but tell me which one after I've gone through Tell me which one you're willing to sacrifice, okay? So do you guys want to do this? Absolutely. So the first one is validation. A selfish short-term thinker gets their validation through people who want them. I feel validated because you want me sexually. And so they're going to keep what I call ego strokes, which is friends, but they're not friends. They're friends, you know, because, because she flirts with me and it makes me feel good to my ego. A generous long-term thinker wants to be validated for their character. So they're not surrounding themselves with girls who flirt with them. They're working hard and they get their validation through knowing I'm a good person. So interior rather than exterior validation. Another one is jealousy. If you're not allowed to have the friends you want, like if, if every single one of your male friends is always oh, is that your want to fuck you friend? Um, you know, every time you go somewhere, it's like, oh, were, were there were there guys there? Well, you have a male coworker. Oh, is he talking to you? I bet he wants to sleep with you, right? So that jealousy is very unhealthy because they they try to sort of inhibit you from having relationships with other people because they doubt that you or other people can not sleep together, basically. Another one is appearances. So they're very flashy on the outside the clothes, the wash, the car, the haircut, because they want people like, as soon as they see them to be like, Ooh, there's so much about you. Um, so again, exterior validation versus interior validation. I don't spend my money on expensive things. I save my money because I want to create a life. I want to buy a home. I want to have financial security in the long run. Uh, another one is selfishness. So a what's in it for me kind of person versus somebody who's very helpful with their inner circle, um, their time, their resources. Hey, can you help me move? Absolutely. Versus, hey, can you help me move? Oh, you know what? Like, no, like I just, I can't. I feel I'm not up to it. So somebody who is of service to you versus not of service. Uh, another one is control. So a, a selfish short-term thinker wants to control your time and money. Um, what are you doing with your money? If you're not spending it on me, then obviously you don't love me enough. Uh, your free time, or you're going to go visit your sister. She's not feeling well, but what about me? Don't you love me enough? Spend your time with me. Another one is responsibilities. Do they try to get out of their responsibilities? They call in sick to work all the time. Um, they don't, you know, they pick up their kids or their kid and they drop it off at grandma's because they don't want to parent their child. So do they man up? Do they take on their responsibilities with pride or are they always trying to get out of their responsibilities? Another one is affection. Is it hard to get their affection? 
Do you only get their affection if you bought them things, if you're compliant all the time, or is it easy to have their affection because they're very open and loving with you? Another one is effort. You know, he has a job, but will he take on weekend stuff for extra money so that you can create more financial security? They can buy that house faster. So do they take on extra things with effort or do they know they can rather play video? Like I'm doing my nine to five, like just leave me alone. I don't want to do anything on top of that. Finances, we talked about that. Are they financial responsible or not? Another one is blame. Do they take responsibility? Or what they do, or is it always someone else's fault? Like right down to the, their car broke down. It's your fault. You should have told me to change my oil, right? Is it always someone else's fault, whatever goes wrong in their life? Another one is paying. Do they pay more than 50% of the time? You want a generous long-term thinker, not somebody who's a scorekeeper, who's a tit for tat all the time. I want to be in this sort of relationship where you're so generous with me. I'm running to keep up with you. I'm always looking for ways to be kind and generous and of service to you because I get so much from you. That is, it just seems we're always in competition to be more generous with each other instead of tit for tat and scorekeeping. And then the other one is happiness. Do they want you to be happy? Is there so much intent towards your happiness or are they indifferent to your happiness? So which one do you want to live without? We want them all. Literally, we, we have a running list now that we have these 12 traits. Cleo and I are going to be out here like checking boxes off in addition to our checklist. Yeah. I'm thinking, what what could I live without? Like, I want them all. I want all you of them. You want them all. And you have them all. And they need to be... This is why we use three months. Because these are going to show up over three months. You're going you're gonna to find out they are or they aren't over the course of three months. And here's the thing. If you don't know them well enough over three months, like nine dates over three months, that's not as much as knowing somebody for, you know, we'll triple that, right? We'll triple that. 30, 40 get togethers over three months, like seeing each other. It doesn't have to be dates. It's hanging out. It's getting together. It's cooking together. It's visiting friends. You need to meet their people. They need to meet your people. Your people need to be a part of your vetting process because you know your friends. They're going to look deeper than you do. And they're going to go, wait a second, I kind of saw some red flags. I'm not sure if you noticed this. You need to meet their people because we are a product of the people we surround ourselves with. If they got shitty people, you don't want that one. Um, and if they don't want you to meet their people, mm, uh-uh. right if they, like if they have a kid, for instance, and, and they're, you know, it's past two months, you haven't met their kid yet. Hey, when am I going to meet your kid? Oh, well, you know, I'm not comfortable yet. And then you say, that's okay. Take your time. I'm not comfortable kissing somebody who's not comfortable with me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Bam. And Chantel, we're just thinking of our audience. For someone who's thinking, how am I going to approach this conversation with this potential partner that I've just gone on a date with, refrain from kissing, and it was really good energy? How do you approach that conversation? I like you. I want to see where this goes, but I don't want to kiss somebody I don't know. I'm really intent on choosing the right partner for a committed long-term relationship. And I just met you and I need to know you for at least three months before I know whether or not we're going to be a good fit together. What if you want to kiss the person before the three months? You should want to kiss them before the three months. You should. Don't kiss somebody you don't want to kiss. Don't kiss somebody if the chemistry fizzles and dies off. It should grow. And this is also an opportunity to give somebody a chance, right? We talk about the spark chemistry. They're a stranger. If you're feeling a spark in chemistry on the first, second, third date, it's a procreation drive. It's not real. And so sometimes you'll meet somebody and they're they're kind, they're thoughtful, they're generous, they're chivalrous. They show up, they're on time, right? All the good stuff is there, but I don't feel the spark in chemistry. Fine. Use the no kissing for three months dating rule. I was not attracted to my husband when I first met him. The more I got to know him, the more I liked him. The more I liked him, the more fondness I developed. The more fondness I developed, the more affection I felt towards him. The more affection I felt, the more affection I showed. By the time we got to a kiss, we were hot for each other. And can it's, I mean, 17 years later, we're still hot for each other. Impulse control and patience. These these are the first two things you're going to find out when you introduce a no kissing for three months dating role. If they lack impulse control and patience, you know what they're going to say? Fuck that. So I think you've given us some like like literal gold mines of information so far, which we love. I feel like I need to buy your book immediately because I'm the eternal student. Uh, No more asshole. Don't worry, guys. We'll link it in the bio down below (laughs) all the show notes. So we want to move back to this conversation about trust. I think all of us have had our trust broken by a partner, by a friend, you know, everybody. We've been there. But I have two questions. So number one, how do we identify if we are capable of trusting someone again? Obviously, in this context, I'd say a partner. Um, and what questions should we ask ourselves to figure out if we are ready to trust someone again? Yeah. So here's the thing. Anybody who says you need to trust a stranger is ridiculous. And that's what a current dating culture is. It's kiss to find out if they're trustworthy. And I'm saying, no way, no more, no more. I'm going to use a no kissing for three months dating rule. And if you don't show me enough check marks for my trust, like consistency, openness in your life, communication, really laying everything bare for me so that I can see and examine all of it, I'm not going to trust you, nor should I trust you. So our current dating culture messes women up because it forces women into a position of trusting someone they don't know. Kiss by the fourth date, right? It means trust me before you know me. Give me your body before I've shown you whether or not I'm trustworthy. And I'm saying, ladies, say no. Say, I'm going to use a no kissing for three months dating role. And I'm going to decide whether or not you're trustworthy. 
I'm going to take a look behind the curtains. I'm going to see your life. I'm going to be with you when your phone goes off and see how you react to it. I'm going to see what you do on social media. If you have social media accounts, I'm going to meet your people and ask some pointed questions. What makes you think Jason is ready for a relationship? Why didn't Jason's last relationships work? Do you think Jason will make a good father? Don't just blindly trust people. Meet their people and find out more information about them through their people. And if you don't meet their people, don't kiss them. We were chatting about this before, just the strength of the feelings that our bad B betrayal and resentment can have. And we're wondering, you know, if you've chosen to let's say, forgive your partner for something that they've gone behind your back against and you want to move forward in that relationship, what's a healthy way to do that? Because I know there's kind of two main avenues. You find any opportunity to bring it up because it's something that's sitting with you and it hasn't been released or you kind of bury it under the rug and the resentment still tends to overwhelm your mental state. So it ends up coming out in a negative way towards your partner. Let's say I'm with my partner and I find out that they've cheated on me and I have evidence that is truthful. And then eventually they do admit it to me when I do confront the situation. However, I'm willing to move forward. How do I move forward? So uh, basically a relationship is a contract and that contract has clauses. You will not uh, call me names. Uh, you will not be disrespectful. You will not be abusive. You will not cheat on me. So the cheating on me is the monogamy clause, right? So there's the abuse clause. There's the monogamy clause. There's the, you will have work ethic and be a financial contributor or somehow can you listen, listen, I'll be the worker. You be the stay at home dad, right? So you might negotiate that. So there's, there's clauses for your contribution. There's clauses for abuse. There's clauses for the sexuality of the relationship, whether you're having an open relationship, these are the clauses and the rules or monogamous relationship. So if you have a monogamy clause and they have broken that, then the contract is no longer valid. They have nullified the relationship contract. So the first thing you communicate is this relationship is over because you broke the contract. You ended the relationship by breaking the monogamy clause in the relationship contract. Now we can renegotiate the contract. That's on the table. But the trust clause is no longer in this contract. You had it in the last, in the last contract. This new contract has a gaining my trust clause. So this is what you need to do in order to regain my trust. You need to put spyware on your phone linked up to my phone so that I can see what's going on without asking your permission. If you are unwilling to do that, we do not renegotiate a new contract because the new contract is under my terms and conditions. And if you're not okay with that, I walk away because I don't want to stay with a cheater. And if you don't want to show me that you're no longer a cheater, then I don't want to stay with you. Is this contract in your book too? Because I think that's a good starting point for relationships as well. I think everybody needs to sign, have this, like the details to the contract. It's not, but I should definitely put it in a book. A hundred percent. Just listening to you talk and you're so, so smart and you have so many good pointers. I'm wondering, you mentioned social media. So I'm wondering, do you have any, is it any kind of rules about social media when you're with a partner um, and you, you're dating? Like, is it a red flag if you're dating someone and he won't post you on your social media? 
So in every relationship, it all depends, right? There are some people who want open. There are some people who don't. Some people are okay with social media and posting and liking, commenting and fire emojis, and some people are not. And so again, we use that no kissing for three months dating rule to have those conversations and um, make sure the other person understands what our boundaries are. When it comes to posting on social media, it's, you know, as a behaviorist, what is the context? If the person never posts things on social media, me coming in and saying, you better post me on social media is me coming in and saying, now that I'm here, you need to change. And I say, we don't get into relationships to change people. We choose the people who suit us. So if they post everything but you, then that's a problem. But if they never post, don't jump in and say, now that I'm here, you have to change. When it comes to liking, commenting, that kind of stuff, um, have that discussion before you start a relationship. I don't want... So this is attention-seeking behavior, right? I was here and I liked it. See me. So I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who seeks attention of other girls. For me, going on social media, Instagram, liking Instagram models, a lot of these Instagram models, you look through their notifications to go DM people, go check out my OnlyFans. So I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's doing that, who's going, look at me, look at me. I liked it. Look at me. I, I don't want that. So I'm okay with porn. I'm okay with, with my man watching, you know, whatever, but be anonymous. That's my ground rules. So this is something you need to know about yourself and you need to communicate. If you're like, no porn, no never, no how, again, you need to communicate. The whole point about the no kissing for three months dating rule is giving the other person the opportunity to make an educated decision about whether or not they're going to start a relationship with you. When there has been a breach of trust in a relationship, is there a way that you recommend people to kind of confront their partner uh, in a situation like that? I think especially because as women, when when we confront somebody, when something happens or whatever, people are like, you're crazy, you're oversensitive, you're this. So how do we do that without it feeling like an attack on the person or I guess just avoiding those kind of tropes that come with it? So always with proof, always get the proof. If you have suspicions, don't bring it up because then they can gaslight you. Oh, you're crazy, you're too insecure, blah, blah, blah. Get the proof and then you present it. This isn't feelings, this is facts. This is what you did. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing, which is leaving the relationship. Um, or, or which I, if it's cheating, it has to be an end to the relationship. There needs to be the consequence. And then maybe you will renegotiate the relationship, maybe, but the relationship is ended and they need to renegotiate if they want to stay with you. After you've been single for a period of time, what are some of the indications that you've had enough time to heal and you're ready for a new relationship? I don't think you have to be fully healed to start dating for one thing. Um, I think there's a lot of healing that can take place in a relationship even. I used to be a dog trainer before I was a people trainer. And in order to, and I was like a Caesar Milan, right? So behavior modification specialist. So in order to get a different result, you need to use a different behavior. That's, that's one thing that we need to keep in mind, by the way. So if using luck or intuition to find a partner isn't working, we switch over to knowledge and insight. So one thing that I say, people say, when do I know when I'm ready to date again? I say, you know, you're ready when you've read no more assholes, when you started doing the meditation, when you've done the exercises that elevate your confidence, self-esteem and courage. When you know what the 12 character traits are and you won't settle for less, 
and you commit to using a no kissing for three months dating rule in order to choose the right person. You don't need to be healed before you start this process. You, you could break up today and get no more assholes tomorrow and meet somebody tomorrow and commit to that no kissing for three months dating rule tomorrow. Finish reading no more assholes while you're seeing that person because using those three months, no kissing, no sex, no sleepovers, no exclusivity means you have time and space to keep working on yourself, to do those exercises, to get started with that meditation, to calm your mind and emotions so you're not anxiously choosing a partner. So you don't have to be healed, but you do have to commit to making sure you're going to choose the right person. And in that relationship, as your triggers get brought up, you can deal with your triggers. Just like in dog training, if I want to change a behavior, a destructive behavior, like lunging and biting and snarling at other dogs, I need to bring this dog to the position of enacting the behavior. They have to be put in the hot spot. So the, the behavior needs to come up. The triggers need to come up. And then we modify, we change, we calm, we reassess, and we use different methods in order to get a different outcome. So I might be really insecure, but I use a no kissing for three months dating rule. I choose somebody who shows me obvious devotion before I've even committed to them. I get into that relationship and I deal with my insecurities as they come up because I've chosen a safe place to deal with my insecurities. I chose a loving, devoted partner. Well, how do you go about wanting your partner to get into therapy? So I do couples coaching all the time, but I just need one person. Mm. I need one person to help a relationship. My husband and I have been together for 17 years. We've fought for 10 years. We haven't had a fight in seven years. He does not watch my TikToks or my YouTube videos or read my books or blog posts, or any of that. He doesn't consume my products. He never read Fix That Shit. And yet me putting into practice what is in Fix That Shit, which is my, my book for couples on how to get to zero fights, it takes one emotional leader in a relationship to change the dynamic because we are monkeys designed to imitate. When I change my behavior, the generous long-term thinker who loves me and doesn't want to lose me will change the behavior to keep up with me because he doesn't want me to outgrow him and leave him behind. If I were to change my behavior while I was with a selfish short-term thinker, I would outgrow him and he would stay stuck in there because he values dysfunction more than he values me. Oh my gosh, this is like so, so many snaps to this. It's incredible. <laughs> this is so good. Just the breakdown of like the human psyche and what like a short-term thinker and a long-term thinker. And I love the idea that you only need one person, one leader in the relationship. Yeah. It tends it, it tends to always be true in any of my friend relationships that you can see a definite there's there's a leader and a follower and not in a bad way or, or a good way but it's just interesting here's the thing though if you're with somebody who has ptsd depression you know any any mental health issues that they are not addressing and it is having a negative impact on your mental health and when i say addressing I mean, addressing to the point where it doesn't impact you because we can have all kinds of mental illnesses and not impact our partner in a negative way because we are in control of our mental illness. But if somebody is not in control of their mental illness and you are suffering as a result, in other words, their lack of responsiveness to their mental health is having a detrimental effect on your mental health, then you have to go because you need to have a standard. I will not be in a relationship with somebody who does not adequately address their mental health. I actually think that kind of sort of dovetails into this other question that we had, 
How do you tell somebody that you're with that they need to go to therapy or that you want them to go to therapy? Because, you know, maybe maybe they didn't have that mental health issue. It wasn't something that started in the beginning, but it, maybe it came up over time or whatever. But you're just reaching a point where you're like this, like I need for you to go and do this. Is there a way to tell them? So you own it, own it as your standard instead of. And, and here's the thing about men. This, this is this is one of those things about men. Doesn't matter how old they are, they still have a little boy. You tell me what to do, right? And they do that. If you if you say you have to do this, you need to. You you get that little that little pushback because you go, I'm an adult. Don't tell me what to do. So saying you have to do this is you're going to get more resistance than owning your standard. I love you, but I need to be with somebody who addresses their mental health. And you have been dealing with this for X amount of time. It's affecting me negatively because you're not properly addressing your thoughts, your emotions, and your behaviors. And it's not fair to me. And I will not be in a relationship where my partner doesn't do what they need to do in order to be a fair contributor to the relationship and the happiness of their relationship. Each of us needs to bring our mental health, in other words, our happiness, our ability to be in control of our mood swings, our ups and downs. Both of us need to contribute that. And if you're not contributing yours and it's been X amount of time and you're still not doing it, I have to say to myself, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And you haven't been addressing it for six months, which means I can anticipate another six months of you not addressing it. And that's not okay with me because I need to be in a relationship where each of us are contributing a healthy state of mind. And for the past six months, you haven't been doing that. And I'm letting you know that my standard for a partner is somebody who does. And if that's you, that's great. We will go the distance. But if that's not you, it will spell the end of our relationship. Just so plain, plain and to the point. That's how you need to speak to men. You need to be concise with your language. The more words you use, the more your message gets lost. How do you suggest women working on that? I feel like women have this tendency and speaking from experience, you want to justify yourself because you're almost scared about the response from the man in this case. Yeah, it's not fair to ask for anything you're not willing to do first. And so when my husband, like my husband and I fought for 10 years, we were in a very bad place mentally and emotionally within ourselves and towards each other. And I started doing all the work. That's some fix that shit. I was meditating. I was managing my emotions, my thoughts, my behaviors. And so I, I stopped fighting with him, but he was still fighting with me because he was still in that old place because I didn't demand he change. I just focused on myself. And, and that was it. I didn't even, I could barely told him what I was doing. I just started doing it. And so what happened was my husband a few times came home and launched into me. You do this. And because of the work that I was doing, I was like, I was in a power position. I said, when is the last time you remember me doing that? And then he went, well, it's been about three months. And I said, you can anticipate another three months of me not doing the same behaviors. But what I'm doing is I'm putting myself in a place where I feel happy and optimistic about the future. And you are in a place where you are still stuck in the past. And if you stay stuck in the past, I will outgrow you and I will leave you behind. And that's not what I want to do. I want us to grow together. 
So you use yourself as an example. You can't say go fix yourself if you yourself are vomiting into the relationship. Can you provide us, Chantal, with kind of like a self-evaluation for our own, like checking our own buckets and what we need to fill kind of? Uh, Am I in control of my imagination? Am I creating stories in my head that I'm turning into emotions that I'm then turning into fights with my partner? Am I in control of my emotions? I, I Listen, every emotion we have are waves on a beach. They come and they recede. That's happiness, that's sadness, that's depression. It's, it's all of it, right? And so when I go into a sadder state, am I turning to my partner going, fix me? Or am I fixing myself? Am I bringing happiness to the relationship? Or am I looking to my partner saying, you have to make me happy? So am I being the solution to my problems when I'm depressed, when I'm unmotivated, when I'm not feeling satisfied, when I'm not feeling happy? Am I turning my focus back onto myself and saying, I acknowledge I have these feelings and these thoughts. What am I going to do about it? In other words, being the solution to my own problems. That's a banger. Like a banger. Um, So I would like to know what are your thoughts and opinions, just kind of shifting gears a little bit. What are your thoughts or opinions about alternative relationships like non-monogamous, polyamorous, et cetera? And do the the rules that you lay out um, kind of apply to those as well? So the no kissing for three months dating rule applies to everybody of every age of, you know, it's, it's logic. Logic doesn't care how old you are. Logic doesn't care who you love. And if you're looking for a polyamorous relationship, um or an open relationship you still want to make sure you find the partner who's going to be okay with that lifestyle which means it is still important to use a no kissing for three months dating rule because they might show you and tell you in the beginning they're very secure very confident but you're out with them and you look at another girl she goes why are you looking at her right so you can't have an open polyamorous relationship with somebody who's jealous and possessive so you would still need to use that no kissing for three months dating rule to find the ideal partner to do this voyage with um, people ask me all the time, what do you think about this kind of relationship, that kind of relationship? My answer is, I don't care what consenting adults do that make them happy. I'm a coach. I'm not here to fix what isn't broken. I'm here to help you if you're trying to find the right relationship and it's not working so far or make your relationship work because you don't know how to stop fighting with your partner. But listen, I'm a social scientist. We're not monogamous by nature. If we were, I wouldn't have a crush on Robert Downey Jr. despite how amazing my husband is. So. And so there are species that are monogamous by nature, but this isn't one of them. So I feel like listen, from listening to you, I kind of know the, the answer to this, but I think it's an interesting way to end. Once a cheater, always a cheater. So would you say once a cocaine consumer, always a cocaine consumer? Once a binge drinker, always a binge drinker? Once a meth addict, always a meth addict? I've actually never thought about it that yeah. way. Wow. And especially because they're like, they're a sex addiction too, right? Not, not that it, you have to be a sex addict to cheat, but wow. There's, a, there's different reasons for cheating, right? So a serial cheater, somebody who does it from selfishness or insecurity, selfishness, probably always going to be a cheater. Um, selfishness does tend to be a character trait, I find. Um, somebody who does it from insecurity Maybe they can become more confident if they do the work and so they can stop cheating. There are also people who do it because 
they're using it as a substance. They're using people as a substance to soothe their pain. Some people use drugs, some people use alcohol, some people use people. So if they do the work, then they can stop cheating for that reason. How do you differentiate your type of cheater? The different types of cheaters. How do you differentiate one from the other? If, if somebody is, and I, I use this word extremely sparingly, a narcissist, and I don't use this word often because I find it's way overused and all of a sudden everybody's a narcissist and everybody can diagnose narcissism. But a narcissist is somebody who feels they do no wrong and they deserve everything. And uh, nothing they, you know, like I said, they, nothing they do is wrong. So that person is uh, likely to continue cheating. They'll just find sneakier ways if you catch them. Whereas somebody like my husband, if, and it's, it's like, it's, it's like a 0.000001% chance that he would cheat. If he did that, it would be from a place of extreme distress. Um, so recognize the person that you have, and you're likely to recognize the reason why they're cheating. Honestly, Chantel, thank you for taking the time to come and chat with us today. I feel like this conversation took a turn but into like the best way and we learned a lot of stuff. Like I said, we talk a lot about dating on this podcast, especially because we have three millennials from very different parts of the millennial spectrum between Coco, Pilar, and myself, and uh, three very different experiences with dating. So um, I might like actually apply some of this now in my horrendous dating life right now. So we appreciate it. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you across all social media platforms? So Canada's dating coach on everything. Just Google Canada's dating coach, go into Instagram, uh, go on TikTok, Facebook. I mean, I barely show up on Facebook, but my website, Canada's dating coach. So, you know, I'm, I'm YouTube Canada's dating coach. The only difference is on Twitter. It's the Chantal Hyde. My books are on Amazon. If you go to my link tree in my bio, actually on Instagram and on TikTok, if you're in the USA, there's a get at Amazon button takes you straight to amazon.com. If you're not in the US, go to your country's Amazon page and just type in my name, Chantal, C-J-N-T-I-L, Hyde, H-E-I-D-E. And you're going to see you on my books list. In. That's awesome. And we'll link them in the show notes for everybody as well. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us today, Chantel. And I think we'll hopefully be back for a part two at some point. Coz, you know what to do. Rate this podcast five stars on Apple. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify. You can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E. Now go tell your friends about it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.